I think the number one thing that I see out of entrepreneurs is that inability to take the first step, uh, get out there, put out a shitty product and learn, learn while you're running. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. It's not often that my life goes full circle and I get to have a guest on the podcast from my previous adventures. Um, but it is going to be a really fun conversation. Today, we're welcoming to the show Sam Dean from Plug Your Holes. Welcome to the show, Sam. Howdy, howdy. Uh, this, is, this is going to be f- very fun. So I don't want to give away how our paths might have crossed back then. I'm sure we met uh, in passing, but it's been so long uh, now. But uh, just take me back to 2006. And where did you get the idea to just dive all in on trying to sell people jewelry on the internet? Well, in, a, in, in the life prior to that one and, and the chapters prior, uh, I was touring in bands as a musician. Um, and that kind of ended. You know, I, I'd kind of gone from band to band and then just kind of just didn't have that next one to go to. So uh, I started selling advertisement for like a local Yellow Pages uh, competitor and I was really bad at it. And I took, you know, we had to go into an off season for printing before distribution and I promised myself I wouldn't go back to it. So uh, I said, this internet thing looks promising. Uh, And people thought I was kind of crazy, but I sold a whole bunch of PS3s, Nintendo Nintendo Wii's and 10th anniversary Tickle Me Elmo's. Uh, on eBay to start up uh, to get a little bit of capital and started a website and about that plug your holes is probably about the 40th name we came up with and uh, it was the only one I remembered the next day so uh, I figured that was probably a good sign and we started plug your holes on September 27th 2006 and by Christmas of that year it was enough to be my full-time job and saved that phone book company from me having to come back and desperately desperately try to sell advertisements that nobody wanted. Absolutely. So what was it? Uh, like, how did the idea because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that they want to get into e commerce, you know, how did the idea come to you of selling body jewelry specifically? Yeah, body jewelry. So it was it was it wasn't just a body jewelry space. It was more um, plugs for uh, stretched ears. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple companies out there that did it. I felt that the aesthetic that was being presented was that of a tattoo shop or I I felt very strangely out of touch, you know, logos that had barbed wire and things like that. And I mean, it was, it was all kind of hokey. The prices were astronomical. uh, So I knew that that there could be like definitely some room for competition there. And I had been a piercer and I actually, that's kind of how I would supplement my income uh, with touring is, is I would, I would, I would do piercing. So I I had some wholesale connections for the supplies that I already used to be able to start with a, a relatively modest selection of body jewelry. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just really. I felt we could do better. I could do better with the aesthetics and and be more competitive with the pricing, and it worked. I I can I agree with you. Uh, I actually used to have uh, gauged ears up until six years ago. I had surgery to get them closed up. A little inside scoop there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do remember that it was very, uh, it was very like you know alternative biker. Like there was like this whole aesthetic along with like 
pierced, you know, pierced ears, especially like gauged ears. And I was like, half of this music scene are wimps. Like we like pop punk music. Like it's not, it's not that hardcore, uh, but you know, right. some, some of the alternatives to get, you know, the, the accessories that you need for your lifestyle, I guess, you know, weren't kind of uh, marketed to everybody. They were kind of marketed to like the super niche subcultures, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's uh when the rest of us were, you know, listening to Taking Back Sunday and Dashboard Confessional, the aesthetic definitely didn't kind of line up. So, and, and then as time has gone on, I mean, so just as the background of being a musician and stuff, I didn't have any formal marketing experience. I mean, I'd worked a few sales jobs and was relatively competent at anything that wasn't a phone book. But uh, when it came to, you know, when it comes to being in a band, there's only, there's really just a couple, couple things you do. And one of those is you, you hit the road and you go on tour. And another is you have good merch because you want people to buy your shit. So that's what keeps you out there other than the guarantees every night. So uh, I kind of had the same idea and, you know, focused on getting a really great looking logo from a good designer and uh, kind of rolled with all that. And the, the logo has definitely evolved and changed over the years. And some of the motivations for those changes changed with time as well. But, uh, and then we went on tour, you know, so I didn't know how to buy ads. And even back then they were pretty horseshit ads unless it was Google search. And uh, even then it was highly competitive and not a lot of customer retention, but uh, yeah, we I emailed, I had Kevin Lyman's email address uh, from one of the bands I was in and hit him up. And was like, Hey, I'd like to come do the Vans Warp Tour. I just started this business. What do I need to do? And he just uh, basically replied with a thumbs up and forwarded me over to somebody in production. And I had six months to get ready to do something that I was dramatically unprepared to do, but we did it. And then we did it again and again and again, all the way till the end. We did 13 Warp Tours. So along with a lot of other festivals. Uh, you transitioned so beautifully. I didn't have to ask the question. So the go-to-market strategy was: I'm just going to do what bands do. I'm going to go on the road. I'm going to basically do events, right? I'm going to go out there mm-hmm. every day. I'm going to sweat and I'm going to hustle. Uh, what was, you know, for a listener out there that isn't used to what Warp Tour was? What was that experience like? What does you know that level of dedication do to how? The, what was that experience like? Let's just start there. For anybody who doesn't know, I mean, everybody on the tour even refers to it as punk rock summer camp. So it is very much that. It's a whole bunch of, you know, there's 80 or so bands. There's a thousand people on the tour as part of the touring apparatus of production and staging and everything else. Um, you know, a hundred-ish vehicles, I guess. It is roughly two months of chaos and sweat and rain. Um, but a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie. Everybody walks away from that tour every year. Very close. Uh, I still have a lot of very close friends that we met out there. And it's a really good experience to also interact on a, in a one-on-one manner with the fans of the company. You know, We built a lot of very loyal followers because we just had a really good chat about Futurama in, you know, in San Antonio. You know, It's like uh, you don't really, especially in the e-commerce space, you don't get a lot of opportunities to see your customers or your fans, depending on <clears throat> how you refer to them. And uh, we got to, we really got to build up that relationship with a lot of them. It was great. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, there's one uh, thing you forgot to mention there that I kind of want to bring. It's dirty and sweaty and oh, stinky yeah. Yeah. at times. I've been in sandstorms, hurricanes. Uh, we've had tornadoes touched down nearby. Uh, I've, I've seen more rain than you could possibly imagine. Uh, lightning striking bridges that are directly above the staging. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, 
when it comes to weather and and the the, the environment that you put yourself in, Warp Tour uh, gives you a lot. It gives you a, a pretty broad spectrum of of, of options, and you got to figure out how to get shit, get shit done in all of it. So whether it's heat stroke weather or torrential downpour. Yeah, what else it also gives you is thousands and thousands of potential customers. So how did doing this yeah. touring, uh, summer touring schedule impact the business? What did that do? Uh, I would definitely say early on, it had a lot more bang. Uh, not so much that the that it wasn't good later on. It was just the proportion of online sales to in-person sales definitely changed over the years. Where I mean, I think those first couple of years, we would do nearly half of our yearly revenue on the tour. And then as time went on, we grew and grew and grew online. And, and the amount you're kind of capped at making out there, uh, you know, we kind of hit a ceiling with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to see, you know, 300,000 people over the course of the summer. And, uh, you know, a lot of them did come back to the website, became lifelong customers and didn't just wait for us to come to their town. But also this is, you know, relatively early in the e-commerce world. You know, a lot of these people would wait for us to come back to town. They weren't comfortable shopping online. It would, it hadn't become part of, uh, you know, everyday behavior yet. Uh, so, you know, we did everything we could, but some people, you know, they just wait for us to come back to their town next year. I've, I've definitely bought stuff from the tent, and if we looked it up, I may be in the customer database. Uh, that'd be a really funny thing to do. Oh, I can, I can look it up. Um, yeah. But uh, so, I mean, the internet of 2006 and selling online was that's 15 years ago. Like that's yeah, it's so much different than today. So, how has the the you know just the business of selling online changed within your business model? Like what I, I'm assuming that there's just been a lot of stuff that's uh, come and gone throughout the years. I would definitely say payment processor payment processing has gotten a lot easier. Um, you know, just even getting somebody to to have. We we started off on the cart system, OS Commerce, and you know that's entirely server side. You host everything. Um, and that was great for a while. I mean, I think we were maybe three or four years uh, before we switched to Shopify. You know, but they're just you, you had to bring in a developer or you had to know coding to be able to get it to look the way you want. And, you know, all us MySpace kids have at least a little bit of HTML background, but you know, I'm not the kind of guy who can build you a, web, a website from scratch. So you're you're waiting. Um, anybody who's worked with developers, freelance developers knows that they kind of work on their own schedule. So if you want something done by Black Friday, you probably need to start in like July. Yeah, a lot, a lot of growing pains in the beginning. Uh, so inventory management was horseshit. Just little things. But then, you know, we switched to something like Shopify. And I, I don't remember the exact year, but it's it's been at least 10 years, maybe 11 years that we've been on it. And in, Early adopters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very early. Um, I mean, they, they're damn near a household name now. You know, you can go... You know, they're a publicly traded multi-gajillion dollar company. So, but when we first got on that, I was really intrigued with their apps and, and their themes and the ability to kind of put something together that is just as aesthetically and, and functionally uh, professional as any of the big players. And I think that gave us a little bit of edge. We actually saw a really big spike in sales when we switched to Shopify. That was, I can only really attribute to the fact that it just looked better, you know, the organization, the nav, everything was better. But when it comes to the things that have like, I mean, I guess really changed, honestly, adoption of e-commerce, you know, tendencies, you know, people, you know, and even before COVID, it was such a, it was such an, you know, so many people had switched over, but 
uh, now since COVID, it's been, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of stratospheric. You know what I mean? If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, and collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention this podcast, Honest E-Commerce, and get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember... Great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T.
So let's kind of talk, uh, let's transition now to kind of more what's going on now. Obviously, uh, Vans Warped Tour no longer exists, sadly. Huge part of my childhood, a huge part of mm-hmm. a lot of people's kind of lives. Um, so obviously, that's not driving mm-hmm. a lot of new customer acquisition. What are you guys doing today? What's, you know, how, how is uh, driving awareness for Plug Your Holes? Yeah, I mean, we still do some of the Fest stuff, even if it's not Warped Tour, because... You know, even outside of Warp Tour, we were doing Soundwave in Australia, and we were doing Bamboozle, Skate and Surf, whatever you want to call it, uh, and Riot Fest, and you know, a bunch of these. Uh, we don't do a ton of them. We kind of pick and choose, especially based on the location and kind of the you know, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing. But we just did our first fest back in Birmingham, Alabama, of all places, a fest called Furnace Fest, which they did their you know twenty one year anniversary of that fest, and not that they did all the fests in the middle. And it was like more of like kind of like a midlife crisis fest where you're getting a ton of bands that haven't played a show in 15 or 20 years. Everybody's bald or gray haired. You know, they're bringing their damn kids, you know, at this point. So uh, I, I knew I had to be part of that in some way, shape or form. So we sponsored the stage with all the old guys on it. And uh, it was a blast. We had a really great time. Uh, Chad Johnson and Mike Zemer put on one hell of a fest. Uh, we're probably doing So What Fest in May in Dallas. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I imagine a lot of what we do is pretty conventional or at least... I mean, maybe it's just conventional to me. I don't know. Um, influencer marketing, uh, Facebook and Instagram ad campaigns, Pinterest, TikTok, Google. Um, we're not super aggressive with Google. Uh, we just kind of want to own certain words. Uh, once again, I, I've just never had the best luck, best of luck with lifetime customer value off Google and also, um, you know, customer attention. They go hand in hand, but uh, that's always been kind of an interesting area. Uh, we do text messaging, you know, marketing for. Uh, retargeting. Um, I'm sure that there's more YouTube, you know? Uh, yeah, we, we kind of do it all. And then we've always been very social media centric because when I, when we started the other thing that we had going for us was we didn't have any money. And so we, you know, we were fortunate enough that the bands that I was in prior was, you know, had given me some connections with other larger bands. And so it helps, you know, that, a data remember was posting about about us on their MySpace and and things like that. So though we don't get as much of that that side of that like that sort of grassroots kind of stuff anymore, just due to like um, saturation and algorithms, uh, we're we're very very uh, social media centric in our approach, and then pulling people into the fold. Absolutely. Now, if uh, if there's like uh, a magic time machine, right? You could go back in time and you could tell yourself not to do something. Like, is there any mistake that comes to mind that you kind of want to help people avoid? Yeah. Yeah, there's a few. Um, the one that pops first into my mind is uh, just... A, I'll, I'll preface it with this. Like, I'm not somebody who really lives in the past. I, I try to move past and, and focus on the future. So I, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about what I could have done differently. I think about what I will do differently next time. But if I had to avoid one really shitty moment of my life, uh, I, it was the year we opened up a brick and mortar. Um, we opened up a, a store called Bangarang, and it taught me a lot of what not to do. Um, we sold collectibles and body jewelry. Uh, in the beginning, it was relatively popular. We definitely had some ordeals with our landlords, um, not fixing the HVAC and things like that. And then it really taught me the importance of location. And understanding the demand for the product, you know, uh, it was right about the time Funko Pops and Kid Robot characters started really popping off, and we were selling a lot of the rare stuff. I mean, you probably couldn't really get out of the store for less than a hundred bucks because it was, you know, pretty rare stuff. And unless it was like, you know, the holidays, we would carry like frozen pops, you know, just because some dude's kid's going to come in and want an Olaf or something. So, but 
when it came to uh, when it came to the challenges that we faced there, we quickly realized that the margins are dramatically different when you have that kind of overhead. And the greatest thing about the internet is you have uh, a nearly infinite pool of customers uh, that all can fit in the store at the same time that don't care what street address you have that, that, that just doesn't apply to a brick and mortar. And so you realize your limitations very quickly. And, you know, eventually we shuttered the doors because it was becoming not just its own time suck and liability, but it was also becoming a burden on plugger holes itself. So I was putting so much time trying to save this thing that I was letting other things fall by the wayside that were causing damage to the, to the golden goose, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's actually a great kind of thing to dive into. There's a lot of brands that I think, uh, you know, start on one side of it and try the other. And, uh, I, I know brands that have started brick and mortar launched e-commerce and then got rid of their brick and mortar stores just because that, yeah. So it, oh, yeah, it's something here. to worth considering, but also you'll see there's like a lot of the like uh, direct consumer, like big, VC back funded brands, you'll see that they started direct to consumer and got a crazy reach and then started to build out uh, in store experiences for more brand awareness. So, you know, there's there's no right way to do it, right. is kind of what I'm <laughs> pointing out here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think you just have to know kind of like what you're getting into and ask yourself also, is this something that I'm doing as an extension of the brand, as a brand building? exercise or is this something I'm doing as another revenue stream? Uh, and you have to mm -hmm. ask yourself, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? Uh, we've, we've talked about doing pop-ups, uh, obviously, you know, doing a, a, a tour is sort of like an activation, uh, that you'd see at a, you know, a, a larger downtown or something like that. But we've considered it, we've considered opening brick and mortar mall locations before we, it was clear that the death of malls was imminent. I mean, we go back and forth, we talk about this stuff and we kind of, we, take survey of the landscape that, that that's out there right now. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it once every year, but we're not necessarily, I mean, we might never do anything like that. Yeah. I'm, we might pull the trigger on something in six months. I have no idea. You know, it, it really just comes down to the opportunities available and whatnot. So. Oh, absolutely. And but I think that, uh, especially for your product, just the rock and roll concert audience is just overlaps so well with the audience that would be interested in like body jewelry. Yeah. And the one thing I will say about that, though, is that that has changed a lot over the 15 years. Um, you know, I joke around that I started a company to sell circles to angry teenagers. And I guess that's probably what a lot of people did because I mean, you know, the CD or a vinyl is a, is a circle that you're probably selling to an angry teenager as well. But more so, I would say that as our audience has mm -hmm. aged up, they haven't necessarily aged out. And so whereas you got your ears uh, sewn shut six years ago, we have plenty of customers who are in their 30s, have professions, they're in the nursing world or they're in accounting or, I mean, you, you know, you could just tell by like, scrolling past a few of the emails in the back end that these people have, you know, a work email that they're using or a, a, a college email because they're a professor or maybe they're a student, you know. So there's a, there's a lot more diversity to it. And I think a lot of people, yeah. you know, it's, it's gone from subculture to culture. And, and it's, it, you know, when, when, most of the major corporations in America have some sort of policy regarding how big your stretched ears can be, you're probably going to be fine. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing with just the general acceptance of tattoos. I think it's gone hand in hand that just the, the subcultures now are like, there's just so many of us. And especially with the labor shortage, like, you got to have to stop caring what I look like and understand I'm smart. 
Oh yeah. I mean, even just like some of the things we're talking about, like we we're seeing companies hire, uh, hire back drug offenders that they'd let go of because of pissing, you know, dirty. And now they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't even care. Just come on back. Like you were a good employee and it was stupid of us for, for us to care. I tell my employees all the time. Uh, I, we have, a, we have an arrangement. I, I have bought X amount of your work and time, uh, in exchange for a, a fair salary. And what you do outside of that is none of my fucking business. So, you know, I, I want them to, I don't own their lives. And so, uh, I, and you know, what, going back to what you're saying about the amount of companies that can't really be picky anymore. Uh, I think it's going to open up a lot of possibilities for people who have criminal records, who have, you know, uh, body modifications, who maybe don't, they just don't look the part culturally. Uh, people, you know, have a tendency to, you know, pick and choose when they can, but you know, desperation, desperation is a motherfucker. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it in real time. And I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is there anything that I forgot to ask you about today that you think might resonate with our audience? I, I don't think there's anything necessarily that, you know, I just, I just do my absolute best to try to encourage uh, people to take the first step. Uh, don't worry about getting all your ducks in a row necessarily. It's a hell of a lot easier to learn how to swim once you're in the water. And, uh, and I think the number one thing that I see out of entrepreneurs is that inability to take the first step, uh, get out there, put out a shitty product and learn, learn while you're running because uh, otherwise you're just going to put it off uh, indefinitely. And, and it will always be a, Oh, I had a great idea once. Uh, well, take that idea, go do something, prove it. Sam, thank you yeah, so much for that. That's my that's kind of my whole goal with this is just let's tell the truth. Like just get started and you'll figure it out along the way. It's it's a long journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. There's a I think the book is called MVP, but there's a really good book about that. And MVP stands for minimum viable product. And you know, just get something in front of someone's face and then let them tell you what sucks about it and make adjustments, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. And I'm I'm definitely a supporter of your cause as I am uh regularly trying to encourage people to, to go out and go on their own. And there's nothing, I mean, you're, you're going to have sleepless nights and yeah, it's, you know, it takes a lot more guts than brains sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's, it, most of the time it's the best thing you'll ever do. The, the worst day here is better than the best day working for someone else. So. Oh uh, yeah, dude. Entrepreneurship is fun. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, thank you for having me. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.